All right, let's go. Book of Exodus chapter 10. And uh, does anybody happen to know what plague we're on? I know that sounds like a horrible uh, opening line there. We're on the, uh, I believe we're on the eighth plague. Um, And we're going to begin reading at Exodus chapter 10. And we're going to go 1 through 15. Uh, Who wants to read tonight? Amen. Exodus 10, 1 through 15. Sister Leah Harris. And uh, we'll give everybody a few seconds to get there. Uh, And if you're new to our Wednesday night services, we kind of just, we kind of treach. One man said that when I preach, I yell. When I teach, I tell. So I I get somewhere right in the middle. And uh, I'll be treaching tonight uh, and uh, believing God to talk to us. Exodus chapter 10, Sister Leah. And that thou mayest tell the ears of thy son, and of thy son's son, what people that have brought in people, and my staff signs which I have done among them, that ye may know how that I am the Lord, and they'll prove out all the land of And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, this evening we are talking about the eighth plague, and it is a plague of locusts. Um, the main characters in, in this chapter 10 of Exodus are uh, Moses and Aaron once again, Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's servants. We don't know where they are. Uh, all we know is that by some means or another, Moses has access to Pharaoh. God simply tells Moses in the very first verse, go in unto Pharaoh. Um, we know that in the past, Pharaoh has, has been snuck up on by Moses and Aaron, uh, in all kinds of different uh, scenarios, from his palace to the sides of uh, to to by the side of the river, etc. And in this particular chapter, we don't know uh, where Moses finds Pharaoh, but he has found him. And uh, uh, this is not part of tonight's lesson, but let me just say this: It don't matter who you are; God's going to find you. Right. <laughs> Hallelujah! It don't matter who you are; God is going to find you. Amen. And so Moses and Aaron have found Pharaoh. And uh, right off the bat, we see that there is some very complicated things happening. And I think we've been talking about this throughout the entirety of this study, but we're going to keep talking about it because it is a prevalent theme throughout the entire book of Exodus. And one of the complicated things that is happening here in verse number 1 and 2 is that God is now hardening the heart of Pharaoh. But something interesting has now happened, and that is that the scripture says, and the hearts of Pharaoh's servants. And we've been talking a lot about this uh, in regards to the book of Exodus, and that is trickle-down leadership. When a leader does something, it is going to affect the people beneath the leader. And now Moses uh, Moses is told by God, that not only is Pharaoh's heart going to be hardened, but the hearts of his servants are also going to be hardened. Amen. And uh, I'm not afraid to tell you this as the pastor of this church. You you ought to pray for me because I'm going to affect you. Hallelujah. And I pray for you because you affect me. But you you always want to pray for your leadership. And that's not just 
that's not just a ploy to put your leadership on a pedestal. But you're going to get you're going to get the pastor you deserve. You're going to get the preacher you deserve. You ought to pray for your preacher, pray for your pastor, pray for your country, pray for your governor, pray for your mayor. You need to pray for leadership. Amen. In fact, the apostle Paul in the pastoral epistles 1 Timothy, he instructs us to pray for leadership for the sake of living peaceable lives. But here we could see that God, amen, is telling Pharaoh that the effects are now not just going to be on Pharaoh, but they're also going to be on his servants. And uh, God is insisting that, um, that his own people learn from this lesson. You will notice that God says, I'm going to harden the heart of Pharaoh and his servants. He says, and I'm going to show forth my signs, my wonders, my miracles among them. And then in verse number three, I believe, he says, and you're going to tell this to your children and to your children's children. And a lot of times we get the impression that what God is saying is, hey, I want you to tell your kids about how powerful I am. It's a little deeper than that. God is saying, I want you to tell your kids about the tragedy of being stubborn and arrogant. Amen. In fact, in verse number three, I believe, God says, how much longer, amen, will you refuse to yield? How, how much longer will you be stubborn? How much longer will you be arrogant and proud? And God, God tells Moses, I want you to go back, amen, and tell your people that they are to tell their children and their children's children about the tragedy of being arrogant and proud, about the tragedy of not listening when God talks. Amen. I, I, I don't know about you, amen. I don't want to just tell my kids how powerful God is. I want to warn them about how dreadful it is to fall into the hands of a living God. God is loving. God is kind. God is merciful. God is good all the time, but God ain't playing. God is not playing. God is not playing. He's, he's not playing when he blesses you, and he's not going to play when he corrects you. God's not playing when he opens doors, and he ain't playing when he closes them. Amen. We ought to have a reverence in our heart for God. We ought to fear God. Amen. Amen. The minute he calls out to us, amen, and tries to correct us, we ought to repent. Amen. We ought to just, we ought to just go ahead and, and immediately, amen, submit ourselves to the word, the will, and the ways of God. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. We ought to teach our kids about the tragedy of pride. And, and, and we don't probably talk about it enough around here. And a lot of times Christians worry about worldliness. And Christians worry, amen, about uh, this standard and the other. And we ought to. But I'm going to tell you right now, if there's one thing we ought to really worry about is pride. Because you can actually get all your standards right and become proudful. You can actually refuse to dress right and become proudful. Praise God. So we got to, we got to, we got to, we got to, as Jesus, as Jesus said, we got to lay the axe to the root and bring forth meat into repentance. Amen. So what is also happening now is that we're getting into the awkward zone. Things are getting really awkward. And I'll tell you why they're getting awkward. Because Moses and Aaron have to keep talking to a man who will not humble himself. And uh, I don't, if you haven't yet, it's coming. All of you will be put in a position one day where you are going to have to talk to somebody over and over and over and over again that will not humble themselves. You're going to have to tell them once, twice, and you're going to be like, you know what, I'm writing them off. And God's going to say, no, you're not. 
You're going to talk to them some more and some more and some more and three more times. And you're going to warn them four more times. You may have to warn them ten times. You may have to cry. You may have to plead. You may have to, you may have to pray more, fast more. But you know what? No matter what, you just got to do what God said. Amen. And, and, and so now, the, now, now we're getting into this, this awkward zone. And, and Pharaoh's not listening. And, and Moses and Aaron are having to go find him. Amen. And Moses and Aaron are having to come through the doors over and over again. And they must feel like the bearers of bad news every time. And no doubt Moses and Aaron are wishing, man, that this guy would just yield. Have you ever been there where you're talking to somebody? They're losing their job, crashing their car. Losing their health, losing their relatives, losing everything. And you're telling them, you're trying to tell them every which way you can. Amen. You know what? Just humble yourself. Just, just pray. Just ask God. And they're not listening. And you got to keep telling them. And, and you feel bad and you feel awkward. And, and you end every sentence with, I'm not trying to judge. I'm just telling you that you ever been there. Hallelujah. Amen. And this is, this is probably the tension. In fact, if you keep reading through verses 3 and 4, amen, uh, the Bible says, that Moses and Aaron gave Pharaoh the news, and they went out. Uh-huh. And the literal Hebrew, it says they, they ran out. Because it's just getting awkward now. The man is not listening, and he's getting more and more arrogant. And here is the bad news that Moses and Aaron come with this time. They tell him, if you do not repent... Who remembers what the week before last plague was? You remember hail? It was hail. Oh, no, you're right. It was lice. And, but right before the lice was the hail. And uh, I don't know. I got to go check that. Anyways, it was hail or lice. The two, two kind of came as a package deal. And uh, either way, something was falling on people's heads. But uh, praise God. Uh, uh, Moses tells him, everything the hail didn't eat up, the locust will. He, he tells him, in fact, he uses a really interesting word. He says, the residue of what's left. There is nothing more. <laughs> there is nothing as sad as watching somebody who's hit rock bottom. And God's telling them, now I'm going to take the rocks too. <laughs> and, and we, you know, we have to learn from this church. We, you know, it's easy. You know, if I talk like this about Pharaoh, everyone's like, hey, man, that's great. Yeah, Pharaoh, Pharaoh need to turn. But if I talk like this about us, and we can all be this way. We can all reach that bottom level. We can all be bottomed out and still hold on. And uh, those of you that have been in church long enough, you have experienced this. Either, either you've seen it in somebody you love, somebody in the church, or you may have been that person at one time. Where you bottomed out, but you still held on. Yeah. And God keeps just sending stuff and sending stuff. And it's not to hurt you. It's actually to get you to let go. It's actually to get you to let go. And God tells, God tells Pharaoh, he says, I'm going to come after what the hail didn't eat up. I'm coming after the, I'm not going to leave anything. And what's really interesting is that now the, the trickle-down leadership, see, prior to this, most of the plagues are going, most of the plagues are going on to the people first. Mm-hmm. 
This is not part of tonight's message, but let me give you a leadership tip. When you are being stubborn and you are being arrogant, and I've seen this happen a thousand times in churches and situations, God will touch the weak people first. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because he wants to see if you have any bit of a tender heart. And all of a sudden, the elderly get sick and the kids start getting hurt and... and, and Come on, you, you want to you talk church talk. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. When, 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 when people in leadership, parents, pastors, presidents, whoever, when they start getting stubborn, God starts going after the weak first to see if that hard-hearted person has any, has any tenderness of heart, to see if they can be touched with the fact that the, that the, that the, the least of his membership, the least of his followership is being, is being roughed up. I, I weep and cry when our, when our good, strong saints get touched. But when our, when, our, when our rather struggling new converts or whoever starts getting touched, I really start praying. You got to watch for the stuff on the outside. You got to watch for that stuff on the outside. You, you, can't, you can't discount it just because it's on the outer perimeter. You know, every church is made up of a crowd a congregation, and then a core. I worry just as much about the crowd as I do about the core. Some people only worry about their core. You ever been to a core church? It's just a bunch of super saints. And nobody else can get in. I'm preaching really good. And then some, and then some churches, they, 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 got a, they got a strong core, and they got, a, they got, they got a, a decent congregation, but there's no crowd coming. We need to worry about the whole enchilada. I'm worried if, if people stop walking through the doors, I'm worried. I'm worried if people stop walking through the doors. You, you will catch me here at 11 o'clock at night asking God what's going on. I worry about the crowd. I worry about the core. I worry about the congregation. I'm not, I'm not trying to section things off and say, hey, well, we can afford not to have a few visitors. You know what? It's been a year. Nobody got baptized. So what? No, it's a big so what. It's a big deal. Hallelujah. And I worry about the core if the core is not doing good. And I worry about the congregation if the congregations, I worry if the core is being mean to the congregation, the congregation don't visit the, the, the crowd. Amen. I'm worried about the whole thing. You ought to be worried about the whole thing. We, we, ought, we ought to have an all people burden. An all people burden. And so God, but now, now we are nearing the 10th plague and God's not playing anymore. And so God says, you know what, Pharaoh, nothing's getting through to you. Your people getting touched is not getting through to you. He says, so now it's going to start with you. And he tells, and look, look at the direction God goes. He says, the locusts are going to come into thy house. He said, and into the house of thy servants and into the house of all of Egypt. And so he says, you will now feel what everybody else is feeling. I've been kind to you. I've tried to reach you. I've tried to get through to you. I started on the outside. But you ain't listening. So now let's reverse the role and start with you. And you will suffer like the people suffer. And you will hurt like the people hurt. Now, let me just say this. Well, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this. I'm, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Before you think that God is mean. Before you think that God is mean. 
or even accuse me of being somebody who's preaching too hard. Let me say this. Israel was in bondage 400 years. And if you go back and you read through all these ten plagues, you know what God and Mo- you know what Moses and Aaron say almost every time. This time tomorrow, they're getting warned every time. They're they're essentially saying, "Hey, you got twenty, you you got a good twelve hours, bro, to turn this around." Let me tell you something. You could turn around in ten minutes. And and every time Moses and Aaron are like, "This time tomorrow." Come on, man. This time, you got, you got 12 hours. This time tomorrow, repent. And Pharaoh's saying, no. No. No, I'm not, I'm not repenting tonight. I ain't having a prayer meeting tonight. We're not talking about this tonight. I'm not discussing this with my wife or anybody else. And interestingly enough, you, you know what happens? God hardened the hearts of the servants, and now the servants are beginning to buck up against Pharaoh. And the servants tell Pharaoh, they're like, come on, man. Listen to these guys. But, but what's going on now is God wants Pharaoh to know how he feels. And he says, you know what? I'm going to harden the hearts of your servant. Not against me, against you. And you're going to see what it's like when you try to talk to somebody who should know better and they don't listen. You're going to now feel what it feels like to talk to somebody who's inferior, but, what, but will talk back. And now Pharaoh's servants are saying, man, you got to stop this. This is going to hurt. This is going to hurt all of us. You better, you better turn this around. And Pharaoh, Pharaoh now starts kind of wising up. And Pharaoh says, okay, 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 let's, let's negotiate. Let's talk. And so Moses in 10 and 9 gives Pharaoh a solution. He says, we will go. We will go with our crowd with our congregation, and with our core. Somebody read 10 to 9. Somebody read 10 to 9 for everybody. And Moses said, we will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds, we will go. For we must hold peace unto the Lord. Amen. Moses Moses lets Pharaoh know, everybody's leaving. The whole congregation... This is not part of tonight's lesson, but this will be an all-people church. And what do I mean? This will be, let me, let, me, let me elaborate on that. This will be an all-generations church. I'm not too worried about all colors. We're just, we're not, we're not going to even go there. This is just not that. But we, we do need to wisen up to the need to be an all-generation church. Amen. I, we, want, we want senior citizens. We want, we want matured saints. We want, we want young people, young married, young adult, young single. Um, young, young, we, need, we need married, married again. Hallelujah. We need, we, you know what I mean? We need it all. We need it all. We need it all. We need it all. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, I want my children, amen, to be around, amen, kids their age. I want my children to be around teenagers. I want my children to be around adults. I want my children to be about, around people of matured age. I want my children to be around senior citizens. I want my children to see some real old folk. Hallelujah. I want, I want we, that's just the kind of church this is going to be. We're, we're going to sing new songs. We're going to sing some old songs. Hallelujah. We're going to sing it all. We're going to, we're going to. We're going we're gonna to get everybody on board. Amen. This is an all-generations church. This is an all. So the solution is let us all go. 
let us all go. Verse number 10, Pharaoh says, let the Lord so be with you, and I will let you go. And your little ones, look to it, for evil is before you. Let, let, let me give you a modern translation of that. You can go. Do what you feel God is telling you to do. I'm going to let you go. And I'm going to let you go because you got evil intentions. So Pharaoh is at the negotiating table, but he's having a rotten attitude. Have you ever managed to get somebody to talk and they just, they're not good about it? And so they're at the table, they're talking, and, and Pharaoh's like, okay, okay, let's talk. I'm going to hear you out. But, but now he's getting, he's getting nasty about it. And then he says in verse 11, he says, not so. Go now. Basically, get out of here. You and the men. You and the men. But the women and the kids and the animals, they're staying. He said, serve the Lord as you desire. And listen to the next verse. And Moses and Aaron were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. The Hebrew there, the original Hebrew is, they were chased. They were chased out. And so Pharaoh says, you know what? Let's talk. You want to go? Go ahead. Go. In fact, get out of my face. Mm -hmm. He said, oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. But you can't take everyone. Mm -hmm. You and all your men can go. You and all your men can go, but, but your women and kids, they're mine. Your women and kids, they're mine. And then he chases them out. And so God has a resolution for this. <laughs> Somebody read verse number 12. Here's God's resolution. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt. For the locusts that they may come up upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, even all that the hail hath left. <laughs> so he said, you can go get out of my face. You can't take your wife and your kids. And he chases Moses and Aaron out. Moses turns around and he stretches his hands. God says, okay, negotiations are over. Yeah. He says, Moses, stretch out your hands. He stretches out his hands. And the, everyone knows what locusts are? Should I explain this? They're, they're like grasshoppers, but bigger and nastier. I, I, I travel all the time. Um, I, I had never actually been around locusts until I got to Oklahoma. And uh, if, how many people here have ever been around locusts? Amen. Um, it's, uh, you'll walk out come nighttime, and it sounds like, like an electrical tower is down. And they just, they make this really loud noise. And as, as, as it gets later in night, they just, it starts crescendoing. It's actually kind of freaky. And, uh, and, and when they come in swarms, I remember I was out there one time, and they, I, I don't know what I was thinking. But I decided, you know what, I'm, you know, I, I was locked up in, 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 in my room, and I think, you know, I just want to get out for a little bit. And as soon as I opened the door, just a swarm of locusts. And it was too late. I had already, like, closed the door. So I like ran to the car and you just, there was just bugs everywhere and it was horrible. And it, it, they, they can, they can black things out. I mean, it's, it's, it's scary. And, and Moses stretches out his hands and here comes the thunder and you can hear the sound and you can't see the sun no more. 
and they start going into everything. And, and, and the deals are over. And here's something really interesting. If you remember when we talked about the lice, the way that God brought about the lice, he said, Moses, Aaron, you go, you go to the ovens. Remember those ovens that, that Pharaoh, amen, made my people cook bricks in? He said, you go to those ovens and you get the ashes from those bricks. So, so what God is doing, which is just really, it should scare you. God is, these are called measure for measure judgments. And so what God says, you get the ashes from that brick and you throw it in the air and, and it's going to cause lice. But this time he says, now you're going to go to the fields, these fields that, that Pharaoh made my people work in to give him bread. And the Egyptians loved bread. Uh, in fact, in antiquity, they had more bread than anybody. They had like 27 different types of bread. They loved bread. But, you know, bread don't get on the table for free. And, and, and you know how they got that, those, you know how they got that cheesy garlic rye marbled uh, sourdough bread on their tables was on the backs of God's people. And God says, you know what? I'm going to wipe every field out. And it's measure for measure. Because God's not, you know, believe it or not, God is not irrational. And so he's actually saying, you know what? I didn't like what you did to my people on the field. I didn't like how you made them go out there and, and, and have to pick straw to make brick. I didn't like how you, how you made them work your field so that you can have as many breads as you wanted to and you starved them out. I didn't like that. So now you get no field, no bread, no nothing. You won't be able to get wheat, amen, to put on your table, and your table's going to be full of bugs. Praise God. God's going measure for measure. So the conclusion, the conclusion of all this, the conclusion of all this is that attitudes matter. Attitudes matter. Look at your neighbor and say, attitudes matter. Pharaoh will not humble himself. When he finally does, when he finally does sit down to negotiate, he tries to change the terms. What Pharaoh Pharaoh somehow did not want to see is that God was not offering different terms. And what God had been trying to tell Pharaoh from the beginning is, I am the Lord. And if there was a better plan than what I'm offering you, I would have given it to you. But this is, this is what's best for you and me. You let go and no one gets hurt. That's what's best. But Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, I got a better plan. I was talking to Brother Jacobo uh, uh, the other day on the phone. I love this. And I had been thinking about this all day, but then he... On that same day, he articulated this. Let me tell you something. And you can clear this quote up for me if I say it wrong. Partial obedience is total rebellion. Is that right? Partially submitted is fully rebellious. And that's what Pharaoh's doing. He's saying, okay, 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 kind of. And God says, you're full of rebellion. This partial stuff, I don't want it. I'm not giving you that option. 
We've got to be wholly submitted. I said we got to be wholly submitted. Not partially submitted. Not kind of submitted. Not occasionally submitted. We, gotta be, we have to be wholly submitted. We, come on, God ain't, having, God ain't having partial submission, people. God ain't having occasional submission. We got to be wholly submitted or else we're completely rebellious. Let's pray right now just for a few seconds. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. I got my landing gear out. Here's the moral of the story for us. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? Number one. Everyone's life is a story. Someone is going to tell their kids and their kids' kids about you one day. <laughs> That's right. I know I'd be telling my kids about every crazy person I ever met. And they're probably going to tell their kids, you know, my dad used to have this friend. You know what? It's never too late to edit your story. If, if it's not in final draft, change that mug. Just go ahead and start. Get back, on the, get back on the keyboard and change that up. Amen. Come on. Just go clean that up. You, it's never too late to clean it up. If you're still alive and breathing, you still got time to do some editing. Amen. And, and, and let your story be told. Amen. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, they had some rough spots. But, man, they had a heart for God. Man, they stuck it out. Man, they, they made it in the end. Hallelujah. And let that story be told for generations and generations. Let that story be told to people's children. and pe let that, I, I want to tell my kids that story so that when they fall, not if they fall, but when they have their failures, I can tell them, hey, let me tell you of a brother that used to come to our church that you thought was a perfect angel. You know what? He had his battles. He had his struggles. He had his ups and his downs. But you were there when we buried him the other day and the Holy Ghost fell in the funeral he was a good man she was a good woman you can you can make it you can make it like brother so and so and you can make come on it's not too late to edit the book of life come on I feel the Holy Ghost right there come on edit that thing hallelujah Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's just pray here for a second. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Come on, the Holy Ghost is talking to somebody. Come on, you thought your life was in final draft. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Amen. This day tomorrow. Come on, you got time. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 And I close with this. 
Everybody's life story should have an entire chapter dedicated to this subject. When God talked to me, I humbled myself. You got to have that chapter. You have to have that chapter. You can't afford to have this Frank Sinatra chapter if I did it my way. You can't have that. You can't have this chapter of, yeah, I, yeah, I told the pastor what I was going to do. You can't have this chapter of, you know, I don't know why everything went wrong. I told my parents I was leaving. You can't have this chapter of, you know what? The government was stealing from me anyways. You can't have this chapter of, oh, that judge, he don't like Irish people. You better get to the point in your life and you're not going to like this and that's all right because I'm, I'm, I'm done and I'm going to go home. You, you better get to the point where you can get a traffic ticket and say, thank you, officer. I, I didn't think I was going to get a big amen on that. But you better, you better, you better edit that book. You better get to the point where when you're corrected, be it by law enforcement or, or, or this pastor, you can say, you know what, thank you. Even if you think they're dead wrong, even if you know they're dead wrong, but you know what, at least get to the point, hey, listen, at some point, you got to take it to, you got to take it on the chin and take it to the Lord in prayer. At some point, you got to take an L. At some point, you're, everybody, everybody's going to be done wrong, but you got to be able to humble yourself. You got to, you got to have a humble spirit and say, you know what, I received that. Not happy about that? You know, and let me just say this, and I am closing, because life's not always about being right. But can I tell you that you can always come correct? And there's a difference between coming right and coming correct. I don't, I don't know if they still talk like this, but when I, when I was coming up in the hood, people would tell you, you better come at me correct. They're not saying that you're wrong. They're just saying they don't appreciate your attitude. And you, you got to come at God correct. Amen. When God checks you, just, just come at him correctly. When the man of God corrects... I'm dating myself up here, but we, we got we to come correct. Amen. It's not about being right. It's about being correct. It's about having a right spirit. That's why David said, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. And renew a right spirit. Let me come correct when I get rebuked. When these, come on. He said, then will I teach sinners thy ways. There's nothing I loathe more than people who are, who are not coming correct at the pastor, God, and everybody else and want to stop the people, want to, want to talk to everybody out in the parking lot about what they need to do. You get yourself right first, and then you can be the parking lot pastor. We got parking lot pastors all over Pentecost. People that just think, you know, I'm going to wait till this service is over. I'm going to go help that new convert out. And you don't pay your taxes. You gripe at cops. You got road rage. I'm, I'm preaching really good, Sister Janelle. Hallelujah. People ain't trying to hear all this. Hey, man, you came to the wrong service tonight. Praise God. <laughs> you got you to come correct. And everybody's life book should have this chapter 
I humbled myself. Can I tell you, I, I threw my back out the other night. Well, like two, three weeks ago. I, I, I do it like once a year. But last night I could not sleep. My back just got bad. I'm not, I'm not afraid to tell you this. My back got really bad. And I was tired. I was half awake. And you know, you're just like, man, I'd rather sleep right now. I'll, man, if I could just sleep and be in pain, that'd be great. <laughs> but the pain just kept getting worse, Brother Sylvan. kept getting worse. And finally I just rolled out of bed. And, I, and I'm not saying this back pain is of God. But if I'm going to be up all night, I'm going to have a little talk with Jesus. You know how it is. You get a back pain, you're pretty much sure you're going to die. It's, it's, it's worse than what it really is. You Google it, you're... You come. You're leaving in a few weeks. So you know what I did? I just started repenting. I don't know. Maybe that may not rub everybody right. You know, that's just how I start off every prayer meeting. Forgive me, Jesus. Wash me, Jesus. And you know what? As I started doing that, Sister Leslie, man, God started kind of lighting me up. Started showing me a bunch of stuff. I was like, man, I got a lot of this prayer meeting is going to go for a while. And I welcomed it. And all of a sudden, I was wide awake, teary-eyed. Wide awake. Then I got on my knees, back pain and all, and asked God to wash my heart. Asked God to forgive me of things I've said and things I've seen and things I've thought and things I've said and things I've done and things, things, that have, things I've heard. And God forgive me. I'm not afraid to tell you that. I'm not afraid to tell you that, that sometimes situations that may or may not be of God drive us to our knees. But you've got to have that chapter. I humbled myself. I humbled myself and I got right and I came correct and the locust never came let's stand thank you Jesus let's lift our hands Jesus I praise you Jesus I worship you hallelujah come on we're just going to pray for a few seconds as a church family Jesus, I praise you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, forgive us of our sins. Jesus, forgive us of everything and anything we've ever done that's not right. God, forgive us of anything we've ever said, of anything we've ever done, of anything we've ever heard. God, forgive us, God. Wash us and cleanse us. God, we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Forgive us if we've ever mismanaged our finances. Forgive us, Jesus, if we've ever gone left when you said to go right. Forgive us, Jesus, if we ever sat down when you told us to stand up. Forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us, Jesus, if we if we were ever partially obedient. Come on, let's worship the Lord.